Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Blonde of the Six. And we thank the waves upon waves of new listeners that we've had joining the program here. And if you haven't done so already, please share an episode with someone you think would get value for it. As that's our goal, to try to bring people closer to God through the relationships that we have with ourselves, the relationships we have with others, all obviously underneath the umbrella of the relationship we have with God. And with that being said, Father... I think I have an analogy here that that people have gone through that I want to bring to light because I think it's one of these things that sit in the back of our minds that we just kind of made an assumption about as people, primarily Americans, and haven't really delved into. And I'm going to give you two examples here that I think is going to illustrate what I'm trying to say here. The first is, is People who have gone through training, physical training in their lives, whether it be strength training or cardio, know that after they get done with that and they stop doing the training for a while, they can't lift as much, they can't run as fast, and if they try to, it hurts, it's a physical problem, you get winded, you feel pain, etc. But we also know we have this skill set that most of us as adults, if we were put onto a bicycle right now, could get it to function. Maybe not go as fast as we were when we were 13, but we could at least keep our balance and go down the road. And I bring those two different examples to this conversation because I feel that the vast majority of people treat relationships in the first category when I feel it should really be more like the second. Once we learn how to ride a bike, we can reestablish the relationship easier. And I have lived this myself. I I know that's a common thing that I just distanced away from that person. I'm not even sure it was intentional. I didn't intend to stop working out, but life happened. Uh, I didn't intend to stop talking to those people, but it happened. And there can be almost a barrier and a burden in the same way that I know the longer I go with working out, the fear of restarting just starts to mount because it's going to hurt. But again, I'm starting with the, the assumption here that most people's relationships aren't that category, but there's the fear of going back and calling someone up to rekindle a relationship. That's a real barrier to people. And I think it's a giant detriment to society right now. Yeah, I love uh I love the analogy. I think that's really uh gets you kind of into the experience of it a bit. And there are there are different yeah there are different kinds of relationships. I think we I think we all have some of those friendships that are like haven't seen him in three years, got together, picked up like we had been together the whole time, you know, and, and just a, a real ease of of entering back into, uh, into relationship with a person. And, uh, yeah, in terms of our, uh, and there are other relationships, I think really it depends on, you know, what, what's kind of built up in the meantime. And, uh, this would, this would apply to relationships with people and our relationship with God, really the, uh, sometimes, you know, we have some distance from some regular connection, even in prayer, something like that. Uh, and it's not actually because there's a distance or there's a buildup or there's a problem. Because I think the way that, I guess I don't know how it works with muscles. There's there's probably some buildup in muscles too, biochemically. And 
that needs to get uh, get worked out somehow. Um, I guess, well, anyway, it's probably a different process, but um, yeah, there's uh, w- in relationships where there's some buildup, like uh, it takes a lot of effort and then I just don't want to go through the effort and then I let it go and then I don't want to reconnect. That's uh, that's kind of a hard place to be. And, and you said it perfectly, the longer you go, the worse it gets. And so the, uh, the, the startup cost becomes, becomes a real burden. And, and I think sometimes it, until we get to a place with God that we um, feel a real familiarity, that there's a real mutual uh, intimacy and understanding, then that tends to function that way too. If I have some prayer practices and I get away from them, and that's kind of my only connection with God, then it seems a bit onerous to to try to work up the habits and move back into the thing, and and uh, that becomes a real difficulty. So, um, but I think I think all of it depends on the kind of the nature of the relationship, and then um what sorts of connections are there as i said when when there's a real mutual love and understanding we can even have longer distances and it's sort of like my heart is always with this person i'm always kind of leaning towards it and just the realities of our lives have taken us away and then finally when i get a get a chance we get back together and it's like we just pick up right where we left off and i think that's uh that's obviously a beautiful place to be in relationships that are a lot harder, take take a lot more work, um, where there's more difficulties to work out, where there's more disagreement, difference of opinion, where where there are more things that are maybe challenging for me, then uh, it can be a bit more effort to enter back into those relationships. Yeah, and it's something that I want to talk, like really dive into this process here because like many things I've seen in my life, the mental cost of what we think the actual expense, whether it be emotional, time, energy, whatever that means in your circumstance, what I found is most of the time that gets built up larger inside of our heads in anticipation of doing the activity than it actually was. Um, I think that that's part of our culture of stress and anxiety. That being said, when we look into how to actually rekindle a relationship, how to rekindle a relationship with God, how do we essentially get past this notion that it's going to be so much and I'm going to get shot down and no. Um, I think I'm describing the feelings people are going through more than using the descriptive words, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, again, I think it does depend on how our relationship with God, what what image of God we have and how that's developed. And, uh, you know, if it's kind of, uh, and, and we really are very different in that regard. And we even have kind of differences within ourselves. Uh, different parts of us relate with God in different ways, we might say. And so, uh, there, there might be a part of us that really connects God with a kind of overbearing parent. And we're sort of excited to get out of the house and out of the way. And then we sort of feel this like guilty weight about needing to check in again. And then that's this, the kind of dynamic that you were describing. Then it just gets heavier and harder, like not working out. And uh, the startup cost is really significant. Um so that's not actually who God is. <laughs> is uh, one one useful thing to know. 
But again, it's one thing to know these things intellectually, abstractly, conceptually, notionally. Today is the feast of uh, St. John Henry Newman uh, when we're recording this. So he made this distinction between the notional and the real. And it's uh, useful. Well, it's a useful thing to explain just for a minute here. The, The notional is just having kind of a conceptual idea. So I could say like, I know that all men die and I'm a man, so I will die. Okay, that's nice. That's notional. I get cancer and then I have real knowledge of what that means. <laughs> now I really know I'm going to die. So it's uh, different when it's sort of in your bones, when it's in your nervous system, when it's a real response. And that's the thing is we often uh, are responding, we're, we're reacting to things that are inside of us that, that feel real um, and, and we're not aware that that's what we're doing. And so it's useful to have the conversation because maybe some of our listeners are going like, yeah, I kind of treat God like an overbearing parent. That really resonates with me. And we don't, we're not aware of it until we say it and look at it. We go, okay, well, I know he's not. Um, now, probably what it's telling me is there's a part of me that has been hurt by an overbearing parent. And I probably need a little bit of healing and forgiveness around that. That's, uh, that's part of it. And, and maybe I also need some um, human being to model that for me, that that part of me, so somebody who's in kind of a parental role for me can uh, love me there in a way that my parent was not able to love me and was more overbearing. So there may be a, a process of healing like that, that a person goes through, but at least being aware of it, oh, that's what's keeping me away from prayer. But I know that God isn't that way. And sometimes then just reconceptualizing him, uh, imagining him as a loving father. What would happen if we we tried to use our imagination and imagine him as a loving father? Can I connect with people in my life who have been a loving father? Does that help to connect with a place in my heart that really responds to a loving father or a, a best friend as we think about Jesus or as the good shepherd or as the divine healer or as a whole variety of images? But we might need to be intentional about that to remember who it is that we're going to pray to, who it is we're going to spend time with in prayer. And then that can have a way of uh, not activating, rather than activating the sort of guilty child who's afraid of the overbearing parent in us, uh, we may be able to uh, talk that part of us into believing God is not an overbearing parent. And instead, uh, he's in fact eager to be with us. He's he's delighted with us. In fact, he's been aching for it. And when we come to see him, he doesn't give us a guilt trip about how long we've been away. He welcomes us with open arms. And sometimes that's people's experience of going to confession. Some people, after being away for a while, will go to confession. And uh, you know, I won't I won't pretend that there is a single experience of priests in confession, although I, I really wish there were. And I do my best to make that be the case as far as I can train seminarians. But um, I think most of us have gotten the message. It's sort of gotten around enough. Like when somebody's been away for a long time, almost always you'll hear from the priest, welcome home. And that has a way of really landing in uh, especially where there's some fear and some of that guilty child afraid of the overbearing parent who's going to be manifested to me through the priest in the sacrament of confession, you know, that, that part of me really receives that. So, so confession can be one personal way to encounter a God who is really loving and who isn't counting the days we've been away and isn't ready to take it out on us, 
but really lovingly welcomes us home and just delights to be with us and wants to shower us with his love. And I think that that's something that's very important to think about. And as you're discussing in here, it's it's something I think that all of us need to really think about is, is what is our impression of God? I, I mean, you use the term image of God. You know, when, when we sit down and think about it, what is it? And to this note, it, it, it's something that just from a podcasting, stepping back, breaking the, the, the wall type thing, it's something that our audience is telling us through their actions is very important. You know, one of our most popular shows that people reflect upon is I feel Jesus in my head. I intellectually can figure out I got the notion of him, but I don't feel him in my heart. And I think that, that this is a great combination of that. And I think that one of those starting points that you just hit as far as making that connection of intellectually going, going essentially from intellectually to emotional is, is the person we're going towards someone who's going to be open to us because, you know, we don't want to open ourselves up emotionally to someone who's going to fillet us open. We've kind of had that conversation over the last month or so, but knowing that that's, not God or, God or God isn't that way. Let's say it that way. Um, and I've been going down, I think for about six months or so trying to like intellectually, there's no way that sentence can't be true. Um, I think I've dropped little tidbits of it here, just my thinkings of it, but there's no way that God isn't a loving God. Um, and with that being said, when you, you reframe or maybe for the first time consciously frame as an adult, what is God like? Because I think so many of us are taught in our young years, especially whenever it comes time to getting ready for your first um, communion and your first reconciliation is you have to count up all the things that you did wrong. And obviously as a six-year-old, that's super scary. And But we look at the things we do wrong as a six-year-old compared to what you can do wrong as an adult. You're like, oh, that's nothing. Like, oh, you left your toys on the floor or, or you yelled too loud or something. Like, it's not really that that big of a deal when we look at it. But because it was such a massive issue when we were six, that's the impression we get. I'm doing something wrong and I'm going to get yelled at for it. And I think that revisiting core elements like that obviously is not part of the regular human day life, um, for one. But for two, I think that there's a real component that this could be why people don't even realize they stopped working out. They don't realize why they distance themselves from the relationship because there's something in the, in the earth there that of their psyche, that's uneven and it's not right. And that this practice of thinking about what is the image of God really? And then how do I view them? is probably going to reveal two different pictures. And instead of living life looking through distortion, let's try to line them up. So, Father, we have about five minutes left in this episode or here. While people are engaged in this exercise of what does God look like, can you essentially paint a clear picture so we all can go, this is what's in my head, but this is reality. And how can we make that the same? Well, and and uh, getting the head stuff right is a is a key part of it, and then getting the head into the heart 
is the other key part of it. And so I just want to acknowledge those are kind of two different things. And it might be helpful also to start with what's already in my heart. And uh, I like to say in my nervous system, you know, this is uh, the stuff that I tend to react to because churches and uh, kneeling and different postures that go with religious practice tend to evoke a reaction from us. There's an emotional response from those things that's connected to concepts. And uh, so even just being aware of what's already there is really important. And so I guess I would start by just inviting our listeners to, first of all, pay attention to that. Don't judge it. It's uh, You're not a bad person if you have this image or you have this kind of response or this is what's going on in your heart. You came by it honestly. And probably if you think about it a little while, you can figure out how that developed. But the first thing is just to notice it and then be curious about it and, and recognize, well, I do have this kind of overbearing parent image, or I have this kind of robber God image that he just takes away good things from me. Or maybe I have a statue God image that he's kind of nice and pretty, but he doesn't actually do anything. He's just out there somewhere. Maybe I have, you know, just noticing these different God images. And I could probably send you something to link into the the show notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's 15 God images uh, that have been described. I'm sure that's not comprehensive, but it gives you a good sense of the different the differentiation of these things. And the first thing is just to notice what is there. And that's that's going to be what's in competition for what we're aiming at is part of mm-hmm. the problem. So then we can sort of straighten out the intellectual things. Well, God is not like that. He's revealed himself and we, we have a, an accurate record. Now we need to be able to trust his revelation. And because of the images we're carrying around, we have a hard time trusting his revelation. So that's why it's important to start with what we have and then get the revelation right. And, and what is that? Um, as, I, as I already described, you know, the, God is one who becomes infinitely vulnerable. God is one who is desperately in love with us. God is one who sacrifices everything to be close to us in our worst moments in order to rescue us. God is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. God is the loving father who has created his children out of love and redeemed them at his own cost in order to rescue them uh, and bring them home. God is one who has prepared an eternal mansion for us in his own house. God is the one who wants to be with us always because he loves us and delights in us. Um, God is the one who is infinite mercy, who never turns away a sinner who turns back to him. God is uh, also the, the, the closest friend who wants to share everything in our life with us. God is our protector and the one who provides for us and empowers us and helps us, delights in us when we thrive and provides what we need to do that. Uh, God is our constant support, you know. So, these are these are a number of things about God that we've revealed, that we've uh, ha- He has revealed, and we have received through through our Christian faith. And as as we think of that, that's something that's, you know, all of us are going to have some vision of God. I, that's a given, right? Um, and, and I think that what you outlined there is very important. You know, God is here to help us. You know. But it's very easy to fall into one of those categories of, well, how can he be helping me if every person I love in my life dies and gets taken away from me? Or I don't don't see him helping put money in my bank account. 
you know, I got to pay the electricity bill. Well, what, what, you know, I, and it's very easy to fall into that category. And I think that it's going to be important. It's probably going to be our next episode, actually, as I'm thinking this through, because I don't think I can ask you a question here that we can wrap up in three minutes and not to get back into that habit of asking you a question, (laughs) not having enough time for it. But to conclude this episode, I think that it's something very important that we all can do looking at ourselves and saying, how do I view God? And if we're having that problem of feeling him in our heart, maybe going through the intellectual episode, so the intellectual experience of why do I feel that way about God? And I think that opening up that experience of diving into those thought process of why do I think God is this way or that way might open up some of those roadblocks that you naturally put up between your head and your heart. Because I think what you'll probably find is there's some form of issue there that looking at it through adult eyes will give you a different perspective. So Father, if you have any last thoughts, I want to let you get the floor here before we conclude this episode. Well, I think it's just a great topic. And and like I said, just the self-awareness will go a long way. And uh, and these are not easy things, you know, transforming our, our nervous system, getting things into our hearts is, uh, it's a little bit mysterious, to be honest. You know, there are certain things that get kind of reworked through through human relationships and other things just move by God's grace. And Anyway, it's a little bit mysterious. So the first thing is noticing it and then sort of getting the at least the head part right. And then uh, we can explore some ways that uh, that moves moves then from the head to the heart. Perfect. Well, we will be with you again next episode. And if there's someone in your life who you feel would help from benefiting from listening to this one, please click that share button. Regardless of which platform you're at, you can send a text and share it to any person who can benefit from it. We thank you for being with you and we'll be with you again next week.